You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. We're continuing our explosive holiday action series with 1988's seminal action film, Die Hard. You, no trouble. Me, fifth element. Supreme being. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. Welcome to the podcast, pals. We're your hosts. <laughs> I'm Brian Elkins. I couldn't resist. <laughs> With me here tonight, Mr. Jeremy Benson. What's the pal? Oh, okay, hey, he's back. Yeah, welcome to the party, pals. Welcome to the, look welcome at that. To the a... party, pal. Well, you said it in almost like you a did. Bugs Bunny voice. Well, and I was like, also was trying to think. Is did Argyle say he, that Was he trying to do point? something like, you know, uh, Stan Lee-ish? Or, I don't know. Wow, okay. Uh, I feel like I totally failed on Hello, this Hello, super friends. <laughs> And with us also, Mr. Jared Callen. How you doing, Brian? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are Thanks you guys? for having me. How are you guys doing? You guys ready to talk Die Hard? Man, this is the best movie we've ever done. Hands down. Wow. Really? Yeah. It's the best action movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> Do you guys... Uh, you this guys is way the... better than Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah. 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 I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. You guys consider Die Hard a Christmas movie. I know that's going all around the internet yes. these days. Even if you listen to the commentary track, it, like in the very first like uh, five minutes, uh, the director says, this is a Christmas movie. This was meant to be a Christmas movie. They play Ode to Joy enough. They do. And boom, they show boom, many. Boom, 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 boom. This is more of a Christmas movie than Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And it made our list. Yeah, well, we were, we were <laughs> stretching there. <laughs> That was an excuse to throw a Bond film in. Yeah, I got you. So here we are. First John McClane film. Uh, John McClane. Of course it's the first well, John the McClane. first John McClane movie. Yeah, but John right. McTiernan uh, It wasn't, though. What was the first John oh, McClane movie? that's True Detective. Well, the character's not named John McClane in that, though. Should have been. It's the same guy. <laughs> Jimmy McClane. <laughs> this is the sequel to the book called Detective, and then this was the sequel to that book. That's why they had to offer the role to Frank Sinatra to let him turn it oh, down. Oh, that's right. That's right. This should make that movie, The Detective. Or has it been done? Frank Sinatra was in it. Yeah. Was it good? I don't know. I've never seen it. He saved some people from a building? No. No, he's the detective. That's the first one. And then Does the it happen in New York? Is... is it set in New York? Is it? No, I don't think it is. You know, because he's a cop in New York. 
Man, it's been so long since I've seen it. Okay. And it's just one of those throwaway Sinatra films. I don't think it's anything like his best work or anything like that. But, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's got a bunch of awesome, like, uh, rear screen projection oh, <laughs> from dude. back in the day. Because <laughs> it was like, it came out in the mid-60s. When I was John McClane. <laughs> and uh, even the, the, the book that this was based on, I forget what the name of it is, uh, Nothing Lasts Forever. Um, that sounds like a Bond title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> Nothing lasts forever. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a fairly close adaptation of the book. I haven't read the book in like oh almost twenty uh, about fifteen years now. I can see John McClane like going in. He's silhouetted. The little circles pop up, and he's like hobbling, bleeding, and he like reluctantly shoots down the barrel. <laughs> but yeah, it was it, it, interesting beginnings for sure. And this movie never hit number one in the box office. Either. How is that possible? I don't know, man. This movie that's, is yeah, like that's amazing. Crazy. A budget of $28 million, it made $83 million, never That's number great. one. And this is like, this came out around the same time as uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, put it in perspective. Um, it's way better than Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Well, it, well, they're different movies. I don't know if you can compare well, yeah, I don't know, man. They're different movies. They're different yeah. movies. <laughs> I mean, like, the tone's different, you know, they're different genres, you know. But I would, I would say both of these movies are, are breakthrough, breakthrough films, and, and they oh, yeah. did original things. Um Way way ahead of their time. Yeah, the cartoon work in Die Hard was crazy. Yeah, it was. Man. Actually, wait, the, what? the compositing is like, it holds up so well. Okay, I could not Holy find... Holy shit, dude. Did they restore, like, go in and clean up the digital mat lines in this movie? I don't know. Because, like, the um, stuff in the elevator shafts and all that, it look, dude, it's, it's, it's right? flawless. But it's see, that's it, the way I always remember it, but... I don't want to say that they didn't, but I looked today and I couldn't find anything on it. Yeah. I couldn't either. It's, it's kind of like watching Empire Strikes Back and, <laughs> you know, those lines. It's kind of what you're expecting. Yeah. Doesn't, it does not exist in this. It doesn't. The only no. the only article I could find on it was one talking about how good everything looked. <laughs> and they yeah. interviewed somebody that helped build the, like, did some of the matte paintings and stuff. Well, well they, did, they did the same thing in this as they did in Lethal Weapon. They, they like, you know, had... Uh, a big painting over the pad for people to fall on. So down at the bottom of the elevator shaft, and so it's not digital compositing there. It's kind of like somewhat of a rear projection. Oh man, no! Oh, the elevator shaft—that is like uh, four or five different techniques all rolled up in one. It's a model. The elevator shaft is a forced perspective model, which each story get, gets smaller and smaller. Right. Uh, all the way like down. Like the one at my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then Willis is is composited over. They shot him looking down on a on a blue screen, and then he's composited onto that forced perspective model. And when you look at it, you can't see any matte lines. No, it is fucking mind blowing. Like these are the best special effects I have ever seen in the for any film in the eighties. Period, hands down. Like even the helicopter, the miniature helicopter blowing up at the end, fucking jaw dropping, man. You mean where it falls into the atrium? Yeah, yeah, looks good. Yeah, it's like coming down off the building, like after yeah. it, it gets hit with that one fireball. My, my only issue with that is it doesn't feel like it has very much weight, the way it's falling, or is it falling in slow motion? Yeah, I kind of took that as that was a slow motion, yeah. and they could have just, just yeah. shot it at the wrong frame rate, yeah, to not give it the right mo- mo- move, yeah, motion. But yeah, it's know. still it's still really cool. No, it's great. I, <laughs> I just love how he, he's going through so much shit, and then a helicopter drops on his head, like. <laughs> And him jumping off the uh, the building, that iconic shot, yeah. that was the first fucking thing they shot in the movie. Really? Yeah. And, I love that. And Bruce Willis almost missed the air mattress because of the uh, like the force of the explosion. 
the gasoline popper that was going off behind him. He almost missed it. And when he got done with it, he was like, went up to the director and was like, why, why, why did we shoot that first? What if I got hurt? And they were like, well, we don't want to shoot it at the end of the movie because then we'd have to recast this role and shoot the whole thing again. It's like, ooh, damn. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> and they paid Bruce Willis $5 million for this. And he's, he was like a nobody. He was like uh, off of, what was it, Moonlighting? Yeah, is that the, the show TV he was on? show Moonlighting. Yeah, that's what he was on. And what was the, he did Blind Date with uh, Kim Basinger. That was the only film he'd done before that. It's kind of a, I remember my dad was like, he's more of a comedy dude. This will be interesting. Because I didn't get a chance to ask you this question last week, which is kind of, it kind of goes with it. If, if if I were to give you $4 million, what's the first frivolous thing you would buy? You don't have to spend all of it at once, you know. So it's not a Brewster's Million setup. No. <laughs> but let's just say, what, what Jeremy, what, what what's something you would just frivolously buy? You can't, and I don't, I don't mean like pay off all your bills and all that shit. It needs to be something frivolous. Hmm. Obviously hasn't thought about this. <laughs> well, you know, you put you put somebody on the spot, and you're like, oh well, this is, uh, it's, what's the thing? It today? has to be something. Uh, Brian said he would build a uh, an 80 seat theater and buy a bunch of 30, 35, 30, 35 millimeter film stocks, and you know, prints. Don't know. Never thought about it. Mm, same thing, but a porn theater. I know, right? That's what I would do too. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have the original. It has though. to be all film, uh, you know, all porn on film. Look, you're not watching. So you're just gonna watch a bunch of '80s stuff, <laughs> '70s. Yeah. I'm sorry, before they went to video. Yeah, and then all the older black and white stuff too. Yeah, that's, that's a little bit of film history right there too. Yeah, yeah, I like that. There you go. Wow, it'd be, it'd be the like first a, thing I thought was charity, but no, <laughs> you said frivolous. Like, huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be stupid. And, you know, it, like at least my porn theater would also be like a dinner theater. Anyways. <laughs> You would serve crab cakes. <laughs> <laughs> While we watch Die Harder. <laughs> Ooh, Die Harder. God, what a fucking terrible subtitle that was. Who thought of that? Fucking laziest marketing motherfucker in the world. <clears throat> hey, what are we going to call this? Oh, Die Hard 2, duh. Die Harder. A subtitle, guys. What do you think? Uh... I saw that Die Hard battery commercial that they die harder, and they went, die harder. Are they right? Yeah, it worked for the battery. He's like, that battery. <laughs> These guys wrote it for us. Yeah, we, we mentioned Bruce Willis. Now yeah, he's in this. Yeah. Bruce Willis is not. He does have a cameo in this. <laughs> An extended one? Mm-hmm. Starts from the airplane to the Fist car. with your toes. But he's, he's not who you think of in an action movie, especially in the 80s. When you, you say action movies, think of Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger was offered the role. That's was how, he? Yeah, that's how all those uh, Commando 2 rumors got started back in the day. Oh. Everyone thought that like, Die Hard started off as Commando 2, and then they took that script, and that's how Die Hard got made. It's because Arnold said no, he was not going to do a Commando 2. Yeah, he's like, I'm not working with that director. Yeah, and then they like, you know... But that's all bullshit, according to the writer. That, that that was never happened. But I think it's interesting because they name dropped Schwarzenegger in in, in Die Hard in the movie. They Did named they? Dro- yeah. There's a, there's a part where like um, uh, McLean's on the uh, thing and he's like, yeah, like uh, he says something about Schwarzenegger. Really? I don't remember that at all. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. I just remember him talking about Roy Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. That's in the Yippie Kai scene. Um. But yeah, it's it's a little it's a little bit after that. They name dropped Schwarzenegger in the movie. Okay, I found it. You're right. Powell asks, Powell says, what's left of him? Can you identify yourself on the walkie? McLean says, not now, maybe later. Listen, listen fast. This is a party line and the neighbors got itchy trigger fingers. All right. 
here's the deal. You got 30 or so hostages on the 30th floor. The leader, his name is Hans. They got a freaking arsenal up here. They got missiles, automatic weapons, and enough plastic explosives to orbit Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're down to nine now, counting the skydiver you just met. Okay, so that's when he's screaming on top of the, uh, he's actually standing on the roof. It's the first time we've seen. No, he's not standing on the roof. He's walking through the building on the walkie. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's that shot. I, I remember it because it's in the trailer with, with McLean. He's on the, uh, the the walkie going, you got 30 or so hostages on the 30th floor. And he's walking by the. He had just thrown the guy out of the. Yeah. Yeah. And is, is he the one shooting, shooting at him? Shooting, shooting, at, shooting at Al out the window? Well, he's oh. shooting out the window, but. No, he's not shooting at him. That's the machine gunners. That's the terrorist. Okay. Or whatever. No. The robbers. Sh- Bruce Willis is shooting out the window. They show him shooting. Yeah, up. he's not shooting. Yeah, but then, at but then when you see Powell running away, Powell, there's there's Powell somebody shooting out the window out. at him. Yeah, that's a machine gun. That that guy's on the second floor. Okay, where they have the rocket launchers and right. all that stuff, and they bring that in later in the movie. So Bruce Willis throws the thing down and then starts shooting, and then they start shooting. Yeah, I need to get well, you in now. God damn it! Now. But he's not actually shooting at the cop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be hilarious. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he is he's, about ready to. He's trying away. to get some attention. Yeah. <clears throat> but back to what you were saying, um, you're right. This movie does have a completely different tone than in all the other like 80 action movies building up to it. Kind of became the quintessential action movie. Like everything was compared to this from then on. Oh yeah, which it should be. <laughs> <laughs> it's Die Hard on a fill in your blank bus. Die oh. Hard on a bus. Die Hard in Shit. space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there were a lot of those, like Air Force One and Is Under there a Die Siege. Hard in space. Um, Lockout. I haven't seen that. With Guy Pierce. That was kind of kind of like Die Hard in Space. Die Hard in a prison space station. Hmm. Which is all those other movies were like you met some dude and he was he you knew he was a badass. Right. Right. And he he was gonna mess some people up. And then he either got sent or got caught into a a situation where he was gonna mess some people up. Bruce Willis doesn't come across like a badass. He's just like a dude that's kinda shitty with his girl he's just you know been a cop for 11 years and just doing his thing well I like he's not like immediately trying to engage the bad guys too like he's actually trying to like like, freaks out get out he's you know he does things that normal people would do like when he's in that room going think 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 like I'm in deep shit here (laughs) I like that though he's like I'm gonna pull the fucking fire alarm like you know he's not Immediately going out like, okay, I gotta go kill all these fucking yeah. terrorists. Like challenge he's accepted. in the room when Naka, that Nakamura, Naka, Nakanomi guy gets shot. Oh yeah, and yeah. He yeah. doesn't like you know the CEO. You know if Stallone, then that would have been the big Takati. reveal scene where oh, he's yeah. like Takati. knocking that guy down and he's saving. You know he's swinging out the window. Yeah. Willis just scoots right back out, freaking out. Well, yeah, fuck that, yeah, man. You're, 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 you're outnumbered right there. If it was a Stallone movie or a Schwarzenegger film, that guy would have ended up being like their sidekick. Right. It would have been comic <laughs> relief for the whole film. You're right. Yeah, it's, it's, he would have snuck yeah. up behind Hans with like a stick or something and like, I got you. You'll remember my name. Creepy guy, hey, motherfucker. You didn't notice. I was like the predator. I just sneaked up behind you with this knife. Oh, man. Yeah. And those, then things just keep movies. getting worse for him. Well, the bad guys are not stupid either. Oh, no. These are great. They have a plan. They follow it. Uh, and I like how they're kind of... They're pretentious and arrogant. Yeah, I like they that. they got a little humor about them. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, look, man, well, we've been fucking planning this for a while. We got this shit on lockdown. That's one of the really smart things about the casting and the writing of the movie is like... Your main character is a very relatable, real person. Which is sort of down-to-earth, plain. 
So they kind of make everybody else a little exaggerated. I can see that. Which makes everybody seem interesting. <laughs> Especially that, uh, what's his name, Harry uh, Ellis? Ellis? Oh, man. <laughs> what Coke, dude. a dick. Yeah, man. Come on, John Boy, what are you talking about? God damn, dude, he is so fucking dude, good, Dude, Bruce man. Willis's performance during that, like, as many times as I've seen the movie, I've never just watched Bruce Willis during that scene. He's killing it. Yeah, like you can just when he when he's being don't fucking tell him you know me like yeah when he's being quiet like the look on his face is like he's gonna die and I can't stop it he's he's an idiot and there's nothing I can do about it it was good you know and he even feels sorry for him yeah a little bit too and because like the only the only time they ever meet in the movie man fucking Ellis is a dick to fucking John McClane just a fucking dick like show hey, her yo. the watch yeah I know right? show her the watch yeah I bought your wife you know your wife bought her a Rolex motherfucker <laughs> what are you gonna do it's a it's a Rolex. She's totally going to go down on me later tonight. <laughs> I just want you to know that. You know, because at first Dick. he's like, you know, he's doing what you were saying. He's yelling at him over the, you don't know who these people are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, don't, don't, don't do don't this. Don't tell him you know me. Like, yeah, I don't know this fucker. And then he just realizes he's not going to be able to stop him. Right. And Ellis doesn't know who this guy is. Well, like, he thinks he thinks he can talk his way out of things. You know, that, that's his that's his job, you know, to swindle people and. I like right before he goes and, and talks to Hans, he's got to go do a, a couple lines real quick. Yeah. <laughs> and you can, like, too, like, the, the writing's good because even later, after he's, when he's pulling the glass out of his feet. Oh, like, man. He, you know, he's, he's mentioning, you know I couldn't have done anything. Like, that bothered him. Yeah, fuck yeah, it did. Where Arnold would have been, like, stupid fucking moving right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It shows that he's a person, you know. He humanizes him a little bit. Yeah, it does. And I love that scene where he's pulling the glass out of his feet. The lighting in that is just super sexy. Oh, his, and, his performance there. Oh, man. Well, yeah, he's, he's having the heart-to-heart with Al. And Al's talking about how he shot a kid once, and he, he hadn't been able to pull the gun since, you know. But what, and what's great, too, is then you see, again, Bruce Willis feels bad for bringing it up. And he's like, man, I feel terrible. <laughs> like, dude, you're bleeding into a sink. <laughs> dude, you're gushing out, man. When, he, when he's dragging himself into that bathroom and he's leaving that blood trail... That just gives me the heebie-jeebies, man. Like his, I, I always wondered, like, how the fuck did they not know where he is? Like, oh, dude, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's totally leaving the blood I don't think they the even looked for him after they got the detonator. Yeah, like, I don't Han think they was did. like, this is Let, what let's, we need. Let's, let's get this over with, yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. Because they were running behind schedule because, you know, they, they were very regimented. They had to get things done. It does bother me, though. You think, you think Carl would have gone after him. Well, Carl does. He shows right up at the – he catches him at the roof. Yeah. How does uh, John McClane know to spell Carl with a K? Oh, because he's European, bro. Okay. <laughs> Anytime you're spelling it European style. Okay, because he's like writing it on his arm, and then when the credits roll, it's with a K, and I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> I would have totally wrote it with a C. Well, also, too, uh, he's kind of cramped, so it's easier to do the okay. two okay. lines. <laughs> they, they do straight up look like some German Aryan race bastards in this movie, they do. like those yeah. blonde hair and blue eyes. I mean, yeah. they don't, they he, don't he hide He showed it. me something last night I'd never noticed. One of the bad guys is Vigo from Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. Yes, he is, isn't he? The car yeah, you're right. Holy shit, that's cool. But yeah. he's, he's not buff like that, though. Uh, yeah, he's kind Was of he? buff. He's wearing that. He's wearing a big coat, though. It's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, because he, he looks. He looks like he's a, maybe a little out of shape in this. It's one. not. It's not Carl. It's one of the other ones that are. It's, running it's later, around. and he's kind of like pacing yeah. around. I, he's like, wearing I, a tan coat. Yeah, in the yeah movie. I remember seeing him. Yeah, he's the one that goes in to uh, look at uh, look for John McClane in his room when when they're when they first come in. They're and sleeping in the rooms. Yeah, I think. 
rip out the the, <laughs> the couple that's having sex in the oh, office yeah, next the, door. The, uh, the boob shot. Yeah, nice. Got to have it. <laughs> what about that oh, random man. shot where he, he mentioned it? I'd never even thought about it, but yeah. Like, everything's going on, and then Bruce Willis looks over, and he can see across to the next building, and there's some chick just changing clothes. It's bizarre, man. I've always wondered, why is that in the movie? Like, Wait, what is that saying? Yeah. It's 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 like, it, he, he goes upstairs, yeah. and it's like right when the terrorists have just come in, and he's freaking out, and he goes upstairs to the unfinished room. It's still under construction. And he's just like, oh, my God. And he looks out the window, and before we go downstairs to the terrorists and see what's going on there... He looks out, and there's just an insert shot of a naked woman. But it's so far away. And they hold it for, like, two seconds. I mean, the only thing I can think is it's like a visual, all of this is going on here, and you're close enough to see it, but you don't know it's happening. It's the only thing I could think. Like, the separation of... You're just trying to show that other skyscrapers are not noticing what's going on? I don't know. Like, I, not I, other skyscrapers, but other people in skyscrapers. Either that, or it's just like we need to insert a <laughs> naked chick. Yeah, it's, it's been so much time we haven't seen tits. Um, <laughs> in, in, in fucking the, Game of Thrones here. In the commentary, it's like this, it's, there's a scene where like uh, they're running around the top of the building shooting at each other. Yeah. And but there's a scene where they cut from that to that in the commentary. They're like, meanwhile, because <laughs> there's like they're they're away. They're dealing with like you know the I think it's like the newscasters and stuff like that. And then it, there's like a little beat and it cuts and like John's like running like shooting. They're like, meanwhile, back at the <laughs> back at the Nakatomi Plaza. They do they do cut back and forth through a lot of different little sub stories that's going on. You got like Argyle down in the basement in the parking garage. You well, follow it, it John all builds McClane. up to that climax right around the roof blowing up. Yeah. yeah it's just man, you're they're cutting a lot of stuff around and like constantly in the movie. If you think about like, you know, movies and, and cinema, usually when characters are broken up, you know, we're given a lot of time with a the character, then we move on. But like this'll be you'll stop in the middle of an action scene like there was a moment where like the news van is driving away and you see Nakatomi uh way in the background right and that's just in the middle of an action scene it's really kind of bizarrely fast cut like but it, this 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 it I think helps this building the, they're building momentum yeah it keeps pace and it builds momentum to those final everything's going on and during that they're on the roof the FBI's flying in just yeah. like Saigon, I was in high middle school. <laughs> He's like, I was in junior high, you dick. <laughs> hey, Slick. Uh, Robert Davies. Yes. Also a Bond villain. Really? Yeah, he's a, he's a Bond villain for License to Kill the year after this. Like, everybody so. is really good in this. Yeah, everyone but is. Bruce Willis's performance is the stand. It's, yeah, man, he's great. Even when he's, like, beating up on Carl at the end, he's like... I'll fucking eat your mom or something. Oh, dude, yeah, I I'll love that. I'll fucking kill you, and I'm going to fucking eat you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cook you and eat you. Like, what yeah. the fuck? What kind of shit talk is that, Bruce Willis? I liked it. It sounds real. I yeah, mean, it does sound very real. No, yeah, it's, he's just saying, like, whatever fucking pops into his head while he's kicking some ass. It doesn't even always make sense. <laughs> Which, you know... I mean, look, I like Bruce Willis a lot in this movie. I think uh, he's amazing, but Alan Rickman is is the heart of the film for me. Oh, he's dude, the he's one who fucking walks this. away with this movie, bro. All the great lines are his, I think. Outside of yippee ki motherfucker. And even, I don't know. He even gives it. Yeah, he <laughs> gives the better one. Motherfucker. 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 
Marfa. Marfa. He barely does that ER at the end. <laughs> Marfa. Marfa. <laughs> but oh, he's man. great, too, because even when, like, he's... Things aren't going his way, his arrogance just gets in his way. Like, he can't figure this is not going to work in his favor. Well, he's been working at it for so long. Yeah. <laughs> Man, he's so great, dude. He is so great. Oh, I just love every every single line he delivers. It's just, it's perfect. It is pitch perfect. And, like, all those little, like, looks that he gives when somebody will say something. And he's got all these great, like, little eyebrows. Or, like, you know, he'll react to somebody My on the walkie-talkie. My favorite reaction look he gives is when Ellis comes in. And Ellis is giving his big speech, and he, he just looks at him, and you can see on his face, it's like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> sure. I can, Bubby, I can give him to you. He definitely brings a lot of lot of depth to the character. Even, like, when, when Holly comes in to ask if they can get a couch and start going to the bathroom. You see a little human side of him. Oh, yeah. Like, when she mentions the pregnant lady. He's like, oh, crap. Dude, that is a good moment. Because yeah. you, you, he almost seems like he cares. Like, okay, yeah. We just want the money. Bruce, man, But Bruce Willis does. I mean, he, for what I had seen him do before this, coming into this, like, I think he knew this was his chance. Yeah. I, I just can't believe that these people are so inexperienced, too. Like, Bruce Willis is his second movie. I know he was doing TV and acting before, but second fucking feature film. Alan Rickman's first. Wow, that was his first role. Yeah, I mean, he, what again, a badass first role. Being being a theater actor and everything. he's, yeah, yeah. he's had plenty of experience acting, like, but dude, even down to Argyle, like I, yeah, that, right. That cab stuff at the beginning, man. He like total natural, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, busting Bruce Willis's balls. Like during that scene, he's overacting Bruce Willis. Yeah, I can see that. He used to drive a cab. They expect the conversation. Wow. <clears throat> How, how's he say it? Uh, yeah, just shut up and drive. Oh, so you thought she would come out here and fail and then come crying back home to you. You're pretty perceptive, our guy. <laughs> Very smart dialogue to set up. Because right there, you're setting up his and Holly's relationship. Right. Not painting her as like this evil wife that left, but that they honestly have real problems. Right, yeah. It's good um, exposition. It doesn't feel forced. It actually feels, you know, they did a good job. Oh, dude, yeah, all the exposition. Everything yeah. comes back. Everything yeah. that they set up in the beginning, all of it is paid off. There is not a single fucking thread or even a scene that does not have a purpose. Like, every fucking detail is there for a reason. Even the watch that comes into play later at the end of the movie. You know, just like every little throwaway detail that multi-purpose reasons they exist it's not just like okay we're setting this up we're setting this up no like it's really well done it's it's, especially knowing that they didn't really have a script and they were doing a lot of it like improv and kind of writing it as they were going how the fuck does that happen man no clue fucking blind luck dude it's gotta be right i mean some of that has got to be just the right kind of people on the right job and it's also it's also having the locations already there and the sets already built because they said that like when they were in the bathroom scene where him and holly are having a conversation they went back and shot the last part of it later when he oh, kind of yeah. like, he's like, you know, kind of getting down on himself a little bit. When he bit. beats his head against when the he door. he beats his head of the door and kind of like, you know. That's like, a great moment. Like, yeah. That adds to that scene so much. Yeah. So, they're, you know, like once they figured out who the character was, they went back and added things like that. It's stuff like that that sets this movie apart for me. And even down to the extras, like when he's up on the roof and he knows the roof's going to blow and he's trying to tell them all to get back down. Like, the looks on the extra's face, you can imagine how just frustrated it would make you to be like, 
go. And they're just looking at you like, lead us, lead us. <laughs> He's like, fucking get down there. <laughs> You're all about to die. Look at me. Look what I have gone through. He's fucking bloody and limping and just like, like where's his shirt and shoes? <laughs> they're tied around his. <laughs> yeah, he does have to go like a little crazy just to get them to fuck off the roof. He's going to start and then his wildly line, fire. He, during the big scene where he's going to jump off the thing. His line when he's tying that thing, John, how did you get yourself into this? Is hilarious. Please, God, don't let me die. I love okay. that shot, like through the window. Are mm-hmm. you bringing up exactly what I was fixing yeah, to bring up? Like, holy shit. We've talked about how great the acting is, how great the script turned out to be. This movie is shot fucking amazingly. Oh, dude. It's, it's gorgeous. Yonder Bunt, man. Yeah. Like, amazing how many times have you gone back to watch, like, 80s action action movies that you think are amazing. You watch them, you're like, it's fun, but it looks like shit. Right. Yeah, it happens a lot. This is gorgeous. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is, like, so monumental that, like, when people are talking about, like, uh, lens flares, we're like, oh, yeah, the diehard lens flares, which is oh, just man. a nice way of saying animorphic, animorphic lens, lens flares. flares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they don't seem out of place in this. They seem, no. It makes it seem very real. And gritty, yeah. But, you know, there are just as many lens flares as this than there are in that fucking Star Trek reboot that J.J. Abrams did, though. Yeah, but there's not a bunch of dirt on the fucking lens. I mean, they, they, there are a shit ton of fucking goddamn lens flares. I mean, they they throw them all over the movie, but they are fucking beautiful and it they plays, work better. It works really well. Yeah. yeah, like even in that bathroom like we were talking about, where he's picking out the glass, there's a little flare that pops up in there. Yeah, and in the in the wider shot, that's kind of like low angle. I guess they're like catching a little bit of that Kena flow, and like even in the unfinished room, man, I like I just liked how they just threw those fluorescents like all over the fucking. Oh, I love that, yeah. Place. And they he just, they just even throw some like behind the boxes. Yeah, they're that are hiding on the floor. them along the walls, and you know I'd never noticed that before. But they're just they're, like it's not, and like in the uh, when he's crawling uh, through the um, stairwell and stuff like that, there's there's Kenos like hidden like backlighting the stairwells yep. too. I'm like. It's not motivated. Doesn't make any sense, but it just works. And I've never noticed it before. It's just part of the part of the set. Yeah. Know? Even that lobby has just got like really weird accent lights. You're like, it does. Why? Wait, why? Do you guys put a light in the water fountain? Yeah. Why would you do that? And and when he when he does the yippee kaye motherfucker for the first time, uh, he's standing next to this door, and there's a damn kino through yep. the glass, like light. It's like right there, like lighting him. I'm just like, what the fuck? Why is that key? Like, why is that there? It's to light his face right there. Yeah. It's like the light is in the shot. That is, I love the fuck out of that. That's yeah. really clever and, like, you know, moving quickly. Yeah. yeah I, man. You, you look at it and it, it doesn't really make sense, but when you, you let the movie. You notice it. Yeah. It just yeah. let it wash over you. Yeah, yeah. That first viewing, you don't notice it. I mean, I, well, I didn't. I never noticed it until I was started to, started looking at it. I was looking at the lighting. I was like, holy shit, the light is just right there. Yeah. yeah. I even like the rooftop and they're they're lighting them with those little uh, strobe, the red and the and they oh, even yeah. have those little white flashes that are going yeah. off in the background. It's all, yeah, all the lighting is really, really, really top notch, and the camera work is good too. I really like some of the shots, especially like um, when Alan Rickman does the accent change where he's he's faking um, that he's oh no God God please don't <laughs> a little Dutch angle scene, <laughs> dude. That was beautiful, Jared. <laughs> Damn, do you, can you also do a regular Alan Rickman? Um, Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> you should do a better American. Uh, yeah, I got, I got, I got to work on it. I'll, I'll work on it. But yeah, those Dutch dangles, man. There's a, there's a, a oh, section. Oh no! When, when, yeah, when they when they face off and then yeah. you had Dutches and then you get all those like vanishing point lines that are just like that is like so freaking badass. And dude. it's just that section of the movie is Dutched. 
and it it is from whence they meet all the way until the shoot the glass shoot after the shoot the glass the scene glass. then it then it's regular like flat. <laughs> but the whole scene before that is all candid and it, man you know it, people go in and they're, they're always saying like well you know you you just you're just shooting things and you whatever this man that takes a lot of work cuz that sequence was completely shot out of order so Every time that they sh- were shooting a shot, they'd be like, "Well, we're doing this scene. You got to camp the camera." Camera. So I mean, man, I just I loved it. I thought everything was so well photographed, man. I agree. Very well composed. It is. It's gorgeous. John Devine. It's one of the best looking action movies I've ever seen. John Devine also uh, went on to do his own Die Hard on a Bus. Speed was his yes. first movie he directed. Speed. I think that also had the same production designer as well. Yep, same production designer. I mean, I like I like the production design in this a lot. I like the Japanese look with the, the, the trees. And... Dude, they went all out. It looks amazing. Yeah, all the hotels. Because in the in the commentary, he makes a point. He's like, it has to look good out of focus because that's about how that's how it's going to be. So everything's kind of over the top with the lines and everything. So it looks good out of focus because that's where it'll be most of the time. Yeah, that's true. I love that. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, you have to think most of your movies. You're not going to shoot every fucking shot a wide shot, right? You know, most things play in, in close-ups and mediums. We do have to bring up that Michael Kamen wrote the music. We talked about um, on Lethal Weapon. He wrote yep. the music for Lethal Weapon. Oh, talk about that alien music. Oh, yeah. He, well, he wrote all the music in the movie with the exception of the very end. <laughs> yeah, which was like, you know, some like stock music they had. Yeah, it was James Horner's uh, Alien. Uh, well, not Alien. Aliens, the sequel. Because um, he wrote the music for that, uh, it's when uh, Al shoots Carl when he comes out. Oh, holy shit! Yeah, if you listen to it, you can hear the bum bum bum. It, it even sounds like a kind of sounds like Star Trek Two. Yeah, you're right. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, because Star Trek Two and Aliens they sound very yeah, similar. Like, just plug that hole with that. It's working. And I think the score, the cue before that was from uh, Man on Fire, not the Denzel Washington, but but the original with Scott Glenn from the '80s. So. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. I wonder if that was just like temp music they had in and they went, fuck, it's working. Yeah, that's exactly what happened, man. I mean, 20th Century Fox owned the tracks. They're not spending any money. Why not? Yeah. If it works, it works. Yeah. They, they do that a lot, 20th Century Fox does, because there's even like uh, in the, the original Alien, there's some Planet of the Apes music in that <laughs> shit. I remember that. They just, oh man, yeah, 20th Century Fox reuses music. Most people never know. You know, I've never noticed it. I noticed the only reason I know that is because of audio commentary <laughs> are we at trailer now guys mm-hmm. <laughs> alright guys we'll be back this is the trailer for Die Hard it's Christmas Eve in LA California is daddy coming home with you well we'll see what Santa and mommy can do okay a New York cop John McLean has come to see his wife I missed you instead He's going to have to save her. Sit down. Within this skyscraper high above the city, 12 terrorists have declared war. They're about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. There is brilliant. Because I am interested in the $640 million in your vault. As they are ruthless. And I'm telling you, you're just going to have to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. Now, the last thing McLean wants... Think, damn it, think! ...is to be a hero. Where's Holly? Hey, Tucker! Where? But he doesn't have a choice. What does he think he's doing? <laughs> Job. They have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Lady, we sound like a war in a pizza! 
inside. Who is he? Someone your side! Who are you then? You are most troublesome for a security guard. Yeah, sorry, wrong guess, huh? Would you like to go for double jeopardy? Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee Kai, mother. Oh. But you just destroyed a building. Of this situation. Well, I got some bad news for you. From up here, it doesn't look like you're in charge of Jack. He is alone, he is tired, and he hasn't seen deadly squat from anybody down here. Hey, pal, how you feeling? Good old things being equal, I'd rather be in Philadelphia. I want blood, and you'll have it. Only John can drive somebody that crazy. <laughs> He's an easy guy to like. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis. Die Hard. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? All right, we're back. That was a trailer for Die Hard. I don't like how they give away the Takagi death. Yeah, I know. The trailer. You know, they made a big deal about that on the audio commentary. Like, ooh, this, that that was really shocking in the yeah. theater. No, you gave it away in the trailer. I know, right? You know, sometimes I do like watch, watching movies that came out before I was born, so you don't get all the marketing and everything, and you right. just sit down and enjoy it. I do. I like that. I agree. It's nice. You get to go into it fresh. Yeah. What do you think, Benson? Actually, I was trying to think of a movie that came out before I was born that I got to go into fresh without any outside ideas on what I should think about the movie before I see it. Oh, really? Jaws. I mean, usually before, like, you, somebody, if it's a movie that came out before you were born, usually somebody's like, oh, dude, you should watch this movie. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's how I found out about this one. My dad was a big fan of Die Hard. I remember him talking about it uh, when I was a kid. I remember Die Hard 2 coming out. That was a big thing. I didn't get to go see that, but, you know, I caught up with this series. Like, I can't think around when Die Hard 3 came out. Yeah, I was a big Die Hard fan. When when was the first time you were exposed to it? Probably 89 when it came out on VHS. Oh, really? <laughs> All right. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. You're a little bit older. Yeah, probably 11. My parents my parents would not I don't know, they were they were weird about violence was okay, but like any nudity or too many fucks in a movie? Yeah, it it, did, it didn't take long before mom was like, "No, you're not watching this anymore." Because <laughs> they, they, man, they say fuck a lot in this movie. When was your first time seeing it, Jared? Um, it had to be on HBO, I think. Ah, yeah. Uh, four by three, kind of like that trailer we just watched. Ugh, shitty. <laughs> Panda scan. Because I mean, this this uh this movie has a lot of real estate in that aspect ratio being anamorphic. So then you chop off. You know, two thirds of the of the image. Uh, yeah, I would like to see what the uh... <clears throat> what the pan and scan looks like. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, especially like that shot, like you know, where um, Alan Rickman pulls the gun on him when it's empty, like that. Like how? Oh my god! Like there's no way you would have to pan and scan that. Yeah, you could not get both those actors in frame. <clears throat> it would be impossible. But guys, did you notice the 20th Century Fox logo in the front of this fucking film? It's flat. Fucking, it stretched like a motherfucker. It drives me crazy every goddamn time I see it. <laughs> just that they would have fixed that. It's like they took the one for TV and went, nah, just stretch it. Yeah. It'll be on TV eventually. I, I did look it up. It, 
was a projectionist. Uh, well, I don't well, whoever was putting the fucking logo in the front of the fucking film. There's two types of, uh, of pieces of film um, projector show. It's either flat or scope. Scope right. is for anamorphic films, so it can stretch it out on the screen. And then flat actually has black bars on it. Uh, and then you use a shutter on a projector to, to crop that image and hit your theater, you know, your window, your screen. Right. But I guess they put a flat piece on this scope film, and they left it in. And for whatever reason, Joel Silver liked this. And he requested this on, like, the next two movies he produced, Die Hard 2 and uh, – what was the other Rennie really? Harlan – Yeah, there was another Rennie Harlan film, um, Adventures of um, Ford Fairlane. Is, is that the movie? I didn't see that one either. With Andrew, Andrew Dice, Dice Clay. Clay? All right, cool. That's the name of it. I have not seen that movie. Have you seen that? Is yeah. he playing his character in that? Andrew Dice Clay? Yeah, he's playing. I mean, he's different. His name is Ford Fairlane, but he's, but he's playing basically Dice. being Andrew Dice Clay. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I watched Die Hard too. They took they took off the 20th Century Fox logo. It's it's got the new one from the 90s, the one that's in front of like uh, Episode One and Episode Two. Yeah. yeah, that's the 20th Century Fox logo now. If you watch Die Hard two on home video, hmm. but for Die Hard, it's not fixed. They just left it. I'm mean, gonna like that. But... That, that that one guy who fucked up. He's like forever. <laughs> he will be known as maybe this it's douche. like you know just something. They're like we're leaving it there. That's a classic screw up. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I don't know. It, it is weird though. Like your studio logo being fucked up, right? Right. Yeah, that's pretty the very yeah. first thing you see in your film. <laughs> yeah, that's a major boo boo. What are you gonna do? Fix we, it. Yeah. I, I would love to find well, out who. I guess not. <laughs> you should. I'd love to it. find out who that assembly editor was, and then see if we can contact him and see if we can get a quote on that. See, see what the deal was. Yeah, I mean, with the age of Facebook and, and our connections, we can make that happen, right? No. Yeah, maybe. Figure out who it was. <laughs> I was telling Jared while we were on break watching the trailer. Like, ever since I've seen this movie, saw this movie for the first time, like, when I think of what movies should look like, it's this movie that comes to mind. I can see that. Oh, yeah. That's how much of an effect this movie had on me as a kid. I mean, I, mean, I think uh, this, this had quite a big effect. Uh, just on filmmakers in our generation, man. You know? And even, like, a couple years afterwards, like, you know, this was just beaten, into, I think, into everybody's head that this is such a well-made movie. And it's I could see that. fucking oh, yeah. super fun to watch, too. That's that's the beauty in it. Like, you can watch this thing on repeat, man. Like, just for the podcast, I watched this thing three times. And Holy did shit. not did not have a problem with it once. Not a one time. So enjoyable and so entertaining. But, yeah, it did inspire a lot of a lot of filmmakers. I think Tyrion, he does a good job, man. He had a really great run here. Um... Because this was, I think this was his third movie. He did Nomads, and then um, he, had, he had this really great run where he did Predator. Then he followed that up with Die Hard, and then Hunt for October. Yeah. And All three just, solid movies. Yeah, dude. Just, I mean, back to back. Is that when he went to jail? <laughs> no, he went to jail a little bit a little bit later. That was in the 2000s. Okay, so that was after he came back for Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, That's he, really good, too. That is good. That, that, that is a good one. That's a great one. I, I, There's somebody out there that disagrees, and you know who you are. And you're, you're wrong. wrong. Yeah, you're totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely wrong. Yeah, fuck you. I got into a discussion <laughs> with someone the other day. We all know. This person told oh me Oh, my God. Is it who I think it is? Probably. Oh, he doesn't know anything. Earn out. We're not calling him out, but he has... His, his thoughts on movies are completely wrong. If you could just listen to what this dude says about movies, you just completely take it the other way. I hope you're listening. Just so you guys know, Alan Quartermain, not an Indiana Jones ripoff. Definitely not. 
Yeah, fuck that dude. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. You can leave that in. <laughs> we have standards here. Yeah, there have to be, you know, everybody I've ever talked to loves this movie. There have to be people out there that don't, that don't like it. That like, You know, Roger Ebert's not a big fan of this movie. He only gave it two stars when it came out. Two out of four. Um, really? Yeah. Said some, said some things I don't really agree with about uh, Bruce Willis's performance. That he was just like, he was so much of the everyman. It's great because the audience can project everything onto him, but he has nothing to offer. Bullshit. I thought that was really harsh. That's extremely harsh, man. Yeah. He, he's like, he's doing a damn good job. I think all of his, like, the, all that smart ass and those little smirks that he gives, man, that, that's fucking movie star charisma, dude. No. When, when, uh, when Hans, when he gives Hans the gun, and he, uh, you know, he gives Alan Clay the gun, and, uh, you know, Clay. Clay. Bill. Bill, Bill, Bill Clay. That's right. <laughs> um, and, like, uh, he pulls a gun up on him, and he, like, pulls a trigger, and he goes, oops. That's so badass. What, you think I'm stupid? You think I'm stupid, Hans? <laughs> I think... California. I'm wondering... I, I've heard someone else say that he was so much the everyman in this that it's not interesting. Which I disagree. I think he's playing it very interesting. Yeah. In a way that people can relate to. I wonder if it's it's so different than what they were used to at that time that it was... It was Jarring? Hard. Yeah, it was jarring. Because you're used to the main star being different. He's the guy that stands out. I think maybe it's a little bit too like the like you were saying earlier with like the supporting characters being so big. They all have like a very like stereotypical backstory or, or a, a character tick, right? You know, like like uh, even Ellis. He's like he's like the Wall Street cokehead. Yeah, you know, but he does have moments that make him a more three dimensional character, right? right. Like when he's uh, on the phone, and like even his wife, like she comes across almost like a da- da- damsel in distress, uh, you know. But she's got these moments where she takes charge, like at the right. end where she punches the dude in the face, the uh, the reporter, or yeah. when she shows up in Han's office. And yeah. Like, oh yeah. She who's takes the charge. idiot to put you in charge? You did when you killed my boss. And then, but she does have those moments where, like, you know, Carl comes through and he's like smashing glasses on some desk. And that pregnant woman's like, he's really pissed off. And she's like, oh, only John can piss somebody off that bad. <laughs> I love you know, that. It's, they play- only a wife would say <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> but they, they, they do a lot of different things with these characters. Like, they play those stereotypical moments, and then they give them other things to do as well. I, I'm just wondering if it was kind of it, going from the idea of your your main character is your main antagonist and protagonist are your interesting characters. To let's make our protagonist a very normal person and make everybody else super interesting. If that was just jarring to people at the time, I mean, audiences seem to accept it pretty well. Yeah, because I mean, even like I was trying to think of another movie that was made before that where your main character is such an average dude, and the only one I can think of is Rocky, but that doesn't count because Rocky's not average. He's below average. He's He's the underdog. He's brother. the underdog, right? He's the stereotypical underdog. Where... Yeah, that's true. When did Mr. Mom come out? Oh, that, that, yeah, that, that was early '80s, early yeah. to mid '80s. I'm talking more in like action, you know, action, fighting type style. Yeah, man. I, I think I think it's like the '70s, but they're really not action. There's, there's like those thrillers, like Marathon Man, where you'd have like Dustin Hoffman, right? You know, where he would be playing against type, but he's not running around with a gun in that movie. You know, like he is at the end of it, but that's because you know he had that 
is it safe? Dennis fucking scene that everybody has nightmares is it about. Safe? Ooh, damn. <laughs> ooh, bro, making my teeth hurt just talking about it. Fucking ooh, evil Dennis Nazis. Man, what I what I can I know when I first saw it, like even at eleven years old, I caught he's playing this like a real person. Yeah. To me, that was amazing. So I'm wondering if to a critic that is more established in what he's used to seeing in story structure, if that was just it come across awkward. Yeah, like just even, a hypothesis. Even like the one-liners, though. I mean, well, that, it plays into that because like the one-liners are not like – he gets one-liners, but like even when he shoots uh, Hans, right, and he's just like happy trails. It's not like a punchy like, you know, Schwarzenegger win where he, like, he'll stab a dude and like stick around or throw him into a <laughs> – of a vent and be like, let off some steam, bit it. He did when he shot to the table. He's like, thanks for the advice. But yeah, but it's not like. But it's they, playing off of what they're saying. He's not in making the conversation. like a knee pun. Next time you get a chance to kill somebody, you. <laughs> yeah. But like, thanks for the advice. Yeah, motherfucker. But like, I could see a critic looking at that at the time in those 80s action films and just being like, well, that one liner didn't really work, it didn't really sell it. Well, that's because they're not really trying to make it a one-liner. You know, he's the average Joe, and he's just... Kind of talking to himself. Yeah. Right. Like, even when he's, like, kicking the guy's ass, it's like, I'm gonna fucking, you know, cook you. <laughs> it's like, um, I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna cook you, I'm gonna fucking eat you! I love that. <laughs> it's so, oh, man. It's just so random. It's like, that's and some it's like, guy Even think about pissed. the way that scene's choreographed. Like, that fight looks brutal. Oh, it's super oh, brutal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that looks, looks like... super real. You know, you've caught some guys fighting in a warehouse, and nobody stopped them, and they're gonna fight until somebody's dead. Some other movies around the same time, the fights are very much more choreographed. Right, like it's not as visceral. Although I, that's one thing I did like. I like the uh, the bad guys. You could tell they had a little bit of martial arts training in their fights. Like but he Carl, didn't. Yeah, he doesn't. And he's like, just that's like how, straight street thug. <laughs> yeah, that's how he's able to get the upper hand. He's like that Carl guy, like even does like one cool block move, and then like McLean just takes his fist and just punches him. <laughs> he's like, hello, I got another hand, dude. Just starts beating the shit out of his head. Well, as soon as he starts fighting him, he, he hits him like eight or nine times as fast as he can. He's like, gur, 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 yeah. gur, 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 just tearing up that chest. Try to take him out. Yeah, man. He's like, let's get this over with as quick as possible. <laughs> um, in the office, Holly's office, outside the window, there is a beautiful matte painting. Yeah, it's massive. I love it at night. During the day, though, the sunset... It looks a little hokey. Actually, no, 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 no. I kind of like the sunset when they when they backlit it and you could see the sun coming through it. I like that when the close up uh, shot over when Holly's it ends shoulder. On her. Yeah, yeah, that's sexy. Uh, but when it's when you got the wide shot when like Ellis is doing blow off the table and like all that, I, that looks like a set. Yeah, see, it doesn't bother me at all. I like those kind of matte paintings. No, no, it, like you know, it, I, I, it never bothered me until this time. I'm like watching it for things, and I'm like looking at it. And it was like, Ugh, it looks kind of like a set. I would take that over a digital city back there. Anyway. I agree. I know. I mean, look at night. It looks spectacular. Like all the night stuff looks spectacular. Yeah, all the little circles of confusion from all the little lights. Yeah, yeah, it's dude. really, really pretty. It, it looks really good. Um, but yeah, during the day, I think that's the worst. Part of the movie. Well, you know, they, they, but, but, but it's cool because the uh, the color palette uh, with all the gradient filters that they're using at the beginning really does match because the uh, that's the color of the of the back of the city backdrop when they're in the tower. Yeah, that red warm kind of. And then it goes to very bluish for the yeah. rest of the movie. I just I just hate it when they like do tilts and well, they have those gradient filters on the lens and it just yeah. it gives away the whole illusion that you're having a a sunset 
toward your sky. Uh, the, the director did say that the, they didn't add that blue in. That was the uh, the film stock they chose. Actually yeah. had a natural blue like content to it. And they had a problem with that. Uh, well, they didn't have a problem with it, but they had to take that in account when they were doing the production design as well. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Well, the whole thing is like gray. <laughs> this movie's like gray. <laughs> no, man, this movie's got some color to it. I don't know, man. Like most of the most of the movies is is like gray walls and like yeah, well, rocks and yeah, and the unfinished rooms and yeah. like when you these up top like running but around all that looks the amazing. elevator set. Yeah. But like that lobby man is like oh, the, oh it, God, it, so it's, it's over the top. Yeah, there's all kinds of textures and water. And all the and, offices. Yeah, I loved all the. Oh yeah, offices. I actually, actually like the hallways going down to the offices and then like the uh, the glass like. Uh, walls and the you know the little skylights and all yeah. that yeah, it looks really freaking cool dude yeah the Asian like just the those Asian uh, I don't know what those are but like they normally like have paper walls but they had uh, oh like the sliding the Japanese sliding walls yeah yeah but they had some without the paper on yeah it, and you could see through them I like that too like I little thought dividers. that was cool yeah it's cool it was, yeah it gave it, it gave it a nice visual look did anybody get thrown through one of those. Did they ever break one of those? No, they didn't. Yeah. They should have. That's one of the only sets they didn't fucking destroy. <laughs> Just blew blood everywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, he blew it up with C4, which I, is one of my favorite fuckets in the movie. Like, when he's putting the shit in the C4, he, like, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's like, well, fuck He's it. sticking <laughs> all those detonators in there. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, you really only need, like, one. <laughs> and the look of surprise on his face when he sees that fire coming up. He's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> overdid it. I think the filmmakers really take the time to show you just the extra moments of him yeah, we just were, doing shit. We were talking about how much that adds to the just how much of a struggle he's going through just to do little yeah. stuff. I, yeah, I like those. And they, they play up the comedy moments. Like, even when he kills the one dude and he tries to get his shoes, and he's like, ah, oh, and they don't fit. Nine million terrorists in the world, and I've got to kill the one with the smallest feet. <laughs> you got feet smaller than my sister. There That's was a, good. that one shot where it shows him, like, struggling to get into the air vent. And you made the point that, like, they could have just cut from him starting to pull up and then being in the air vent. But yeah. they spend the time to show him struggling to get in there. Fuck yeah. And I actually love that uh, when he gets in and he like he like lights up the... He, t- he turns his, his lighter. He's like, come back to the coast, have you less. That, that quintessential line. Then it cuts into Carl looking down the shaft and you can see the light in the yeah. air vent go off. Like yeah. when he closes the, the lighter. I was like, that's so badass. That is, that is a good it's moment. a cool little touch. Yeah. That was a, that was an accident too. Um, that the editor actually uh, uh, kept into the movie. The stunt guy fell when he's like hanging down from the uh, strap from the gun. He was originally just supposed to make it to the air vent and get into the air vent, but the stunt guy fucking fell. You know that set was actually they actually built that set, and that's just a, a painting at the bottom. So when the dude fell, he actually fell out of the shot, and the editor was like, "Oh my god, is that dude all right? We got to use that. That's awesome." And so they built that whole sequence. Of the the strap getting ready to break, that was all built around that accident on set. And really? Then, yeah, and I, dude, I think that's one of the best fucking scenes in the Where movie. Where he misses and catches and has to pull himself up. Yeah, yeah. that's a set accident. Yeah, dude, it's so it's, yeah, it's badass, man. Like, ooh, oh, yeah, they, they do a good job with the tension. And he's selling all of it with the way he's talking to himself because it's so like people really do. Yeah. Like, Why the fuck am I doing this? Now I know what a TV dinner feels like. I do, I do like that they were going to, the bad guys in the film are actually stealing 
Uh, like a, a good amount of money. Fuck yeah, they are. There's like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, they're going there's after like a stack of like forty million. Is that what it was? Because there's yeah. like each one of those like Barabon things that said hundred thousand on it, and there was like a stack like three inches thick. I was like, holy shit, a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they had that all in their vault, but uh, yeah, you know, why, uh, you know, it doesn't even make sense. Yeah, put it in a bank or you know, I guess negotiable Barabons. I guess you have those for sketchy reasons anyway. I don't know. So you non-negotiable, say, right? No- is it not? Yeah, it's non-negotiable. Bear bonds. That's what it huh. is. Because well, you don't have to ask where this come from. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> details, details, non, un, whatever. You We're know. not financial financial ears here. We can't even talk, really. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make up a word to like Just yeah. so I don't sound like an idiot. It was part of the joke that failed. <laughs> I mean, back to like how the the cast got you know layers, the scripts got layers. Even the jokes don't seem to get like a lot of times in movies like this, the jokes can get a little too much. Right. Even this one doesn't feel like that. Where they stand out, where it doesn't feel like it's actually part of it. It's like a thrown in thing. Well, it's like you know the cops show up, they're gonna they're they're a little bit of a problem, and then the FBI's an even bigger problem. <laughs> Fucking FBI and idiots. So you have that. <laughs> you know they are. Yeah, they're just total idiots. Agent Johnson. The, Agent Johnson. Not the one related. scene <laughs> where they're demanding that the power be cut off, which is part of Han's plan. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And though. it all being part of Han's plan just plays into. Oh, it's amazing. Making the jokes not seem out of place. Like Han well, no, yeah, knew he, they were going to be stupid. Which shows he's he's like the mastermind. Miracle? Ladies and gentlemen, I, I give, give you. you FBI, <laughs> but yeah. so he's demanding the power to be shut off. That the boss is going, but we we can't do it from here. We got to cut the whole block. And the guy's like, "No, I could do it from right." And he's like, "We got to cut the whole block." He's, the dude's down there, like, "No, guys, I really could just do it from here." <laughs> but they end the scene where he calls in. He's like, "Hey, I need you to do me a favor. Cut down block two twelve and shut it all and off." And he gets really mad and goes, "Do it now!" And that takes that joke away a little bit you know what i mean it does it does but they they play up that uh that moment right after it um it's such a it's such a weird moment when the vault opens because you get that big musical swell of old to joy i just like how they're all just like standing like like the oh our our prize our prize right? and they're just like just in wonder like <gasps> and you you see alan rickman get up and he's yeah. got this beautiful shot where they even throw fucking a fan on his hair they're like yeah, yeah let's sell this you look sexy all right come on <laughs> And it's just it's a it's a really weird it's hopeful Indiana, montage. Indiana Jones just found the ark. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, <laughs> and Our it's the prize. bad guys. It's uh, yeah. And then you intercut that with the fucking FBI agents are like, oh, they're shitting themselves, man. We got them by the balls now. <laughs> oh, it's so well done. Well, what's hilarious too is not only is Hans telling you what the FBI is going to do and that they're planning around it, but on TV they have the specialist. That's telling yeah. you everything that's going to happen. Did John McTiernan, did, did he just hate hate journalists and, uh, and FBI agents? I think so. Yeah, it kind of yeah. seems that way. I, uh, look at what happened. No, but he does okay with the cops, though, because, uh, you know, Al, his character is really enduring. It's kind of like his... The chief know. is a... Oh, he's the, a, the assistant he's chief. He's a fucking asshole, dude. That, that is, like, the one point, though, that when he... Al's backstory, though, about shooting a kid, that is... I mean, because that was in the news at the at the yeah, time. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. relevant at the time. It, yeah, that, almost got shot that way. Oh shit! Really? Yeah. Ooh, that's why you get the orange caps and all the guns now. Yeah. So you, you know, I had a whole collection of real looking. I mean, one hundred percent real looking toy guns, and I was dressed up like Arnold from Terminator. Had my leather jacket. 
sunglasses, and I didn't know it was a cop car. A cop car was coming around the corner of where we lived, and I'd pulled my pistol out and was aiming it at Brian. And all of a sudden, this cop car pulls over, and these dudes are out, and he's like, what are you doing? Like, dude, it's plastic. And they went into the whole speech about, you could have gotten shot, and Moses is smarting off at them. Jesus. Well, I mean, Moses. (laughs) (laughs) That's a dad joke. Uh. Yeah, I didn't mean to. It's just, uh, <laughs> um, you know, when Al goes Oof, to the uh, to the convenience store and he's buying like you know eight or nine packages of Twinkies. Why is that clerk such an asshole? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's for my wife. She's pregnant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a dick. I thought he was lying the first time I saw the movie. Oh, he totally was. Wait, what? What? He was lying. Well, he's gonna eat the. Twinkies. Well, I know all the Twinkies. Wife is but, really pregnant. Yeah, but he does have she a is pregnant. Wife. Yeah, yeah, she's pregnant, but he's gonna eat all them Twinkies. Yeah, no, I, he was using her as an excuse. <laughs> but I thought he was lying about his wife in that scene. Like, oh man, look at that guy. Because if you look, he does not have a wedding ring on. I did not notice. that. I did notice that. You know, you get that maybe, reveal maybe, later. Maybe, on. maybe he, you know, he's got the, he's putting on the sympathy weight for his wife because he's eating a bunch of Twinkies and he outgrew his his wedding ring. And maybe the go. clerk is just really sick of the cops coming in and getting donuts for free. He wasn't getting donuts free. He was buying Twinkies. <laughs> he even put his change, man, in the little he even feed had the kids yeah, jar. Yeah. He even had him bag it. I love that. Bag, bag it. it. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> oh, man. I love that he knows the uh, the ingredients to Twinkies. Yellow dye number five. Everything a grown boy needs. Oh, I just bit into a 50-year-old Twinkie. <laughs> Man, their performance back and forth. Oh, it's that so walking. great. <laughs> Which is, it's like, it's 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 kind of like, um, it's kind of like uh, Wrath of Khan, you know? It's all over the com. You know, the they're, they're acting, they're, yeah. they're never in the same room, really. So they're, they're acting back and forth. I love it, man. They yeah, do a damn good job. They really only have the, the two scenes. They got that, that one scene where he puts on the uh, American accent, and then uh, at the end. That's the only time you ever get the uh, bad guy and the good guy together, and then Al, they just meet at the end. Yeah. With him and John McClane. So, yeah, I mean, most of the movie is, again, man, cutting back and forth, dude. Like, you imagine, like, just shooting so much of your film with, like, an actor on set. Right. Responding to somebody else off camera. and Yeah, I know. Like, in, in yeah. the commentary, they... they back <laughs> In, in the in the commentary, they talk about um, about you know blocking, like knowing how knowing how they were going to edit it back and forth uh, between those conversations and and blocking the actors to keep it like where it's interesting. So they they'd move them in certain ways. So so they would, you know, one would move, you know, frame left, and the other one move frame right. So their eye lines would have to change because they knew how they were going to edit it. So it's kind of neat. What'd you guys think about the end of the movie? Dude, I love this whole movie. <laughs> I think this movie is extremely solid. Like, like, because in 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 the com- in the commentary, he talks about how uh, you know we did we did the cliche, you know, the bad guys got the wife and all that. But no, motherfucker, you got John McClane like coming down, hands, you know, and he's like, and he's like coming down that ramp, and he's dragging that foot, and he's bleeding out, you know. That's so, and it's just like, hi, the, honey, yeah, hi, honey, like, uh, <laughs> you know, like, man. Um, that's that's original, man. Like, like her you know, reaction he, there too when she's like, "Oh my!" Like she sees oh, she what sh- he's like, been through. Oh, and he, he's silhouetted. He's got that like hot light behind him, and he's coming. He's coming in and out of that silhouette, dude. He's just beating the fuck up. Well, you it know? looks weird too because he's lit like the monster, while Han is lit. Yeah, you're like, right. The yeah, good true. guy, I, dude. 
all of that. They they handled that so well. I mean, that's that's not cliche at all. They 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 like put their mark on that. That's a very quintessential scene for yeah, this movie. It's definitely been ripped ripped off a lot, dude. Yeah, yeah. With, with a bad uh, well, a good guy down to like one or two bullets, and it's like, oh, what am I gonna do? No, I love that when fuck, he pulls out the bullets, you know, and he and he says, he's like, fuck, you know. Again, like we were talking about, just keep adding those problems. Well, even yeah. when he jumps off it's the nice. thing, he's tied up to the water hose, the fire hose. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he jumps off, the roof blows up, and then the big wheel for the hose <laughs> goes down. Now he's got to untie it before it oh, drags dude. him out. <clears throat> I love that look on his face when he's like, uh, he's like, he's, he's slowly sliding out, and he's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, and he finally gets it off. And then, like, he just, it, it's almost about to go out the window, and then he's kind of like, Push, like pushing himself like a cat, you know, like back. Yeah. And he's like... <sighs> that whole section, if you watch his face, man. He has a come down, you know. He's like, oh my God. They do he, hold it for a beat. Yeah. He, he busts through the window and he's on his stomach before he realizes that the wheel has gone. And then right. he's got that look where he looks almost directly at the camera like, like, oh, oh fuck. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. That's a super great scene. Yeah. I, dude, I think this has got the, the best uh, fall death as well. Hans going out at the end. Man, falling off that building, dude. But they said it was seventy feet. He actually fell seventy feet. Uh, that was the the it was seven floors. It was the actual distance to the bag. Yeah. And they said that was the first take because it actually scared the shit out of him. So they went with it. Man, I you would... see the focus pull just a little bit. Like they, 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 they it buzzes just a little bit when they're trying to catch him. Okay, they did not do that with a focus puller. They had the uh, effects guy Robert Edlin, the guy that did the uh, uh, visual effects for Ghostbusters. <laughs> He actually rigged up this laser that could judge the distance. Like a cine tape on modern cameras these days? And Yeah, and they have some servo rigged up to the camera lens, pulling the focus, based off of that laser. Isn't that insane? Because they didn't want to drop Alan Rickman a bunch of times. Yeah, well, it, it totally buzzes focus just a little bit, and then it, then it catches him, so it's weird. I mean, that's probably why, but I yeah. mean, that's it's crazy. Cause that's they, cool, they, though. They shot that in slow-mo, too. So. See, I think the buzzing focus helps a little bit. Kind of like the give you a little bit of the. I can see that. Yeah, man, it just looks so fucking good, dude. I never it's noticed like it until today. Fucking best blue screen composites ever, dude. It looks so fucking good. That wasn't a composite. That's a composite. They shot Alan Rickman on a blue. Uh, there's a blue uh, airbag, and Robert. I, I thought they. I thought you said that they put the picture behind him. Like that. That was shot in camera. No, that's a composite because they also added in the. Uh, those uh, barabons that are coming out of fire, they're falling off the building. Yeah. Those those are actually like little stamp size pieces of paper that they flew in. And that that's, that was, they added that in the background as well. Yeah, I love the paper at the end where it's like snowing paper. Barabons. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, they, Think about they, all the people that are out there going. No, they, they, said, they, said, they said it was supposed to be the barabons, but it was actually documents. It was the documents. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't the bonds. It was just papers from the offices. Man, I'd be grabbing those. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like all the that crowd of people that are there to watch, yeah, like, because oh, of the dude. news, they're all grabbing hundred million dollars. Oh, dude, if I, I, I'd be looking at everything on the ground. Like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> it would have been hilarious if, like, with no explanation, the last shot when they're craning up and the car's pulling off, she's already punched the reporter. Like half the crowd is like down on their hands and knees. <laughs> You're watching. Why are they doing that? Oh, I mean, heck, if you could just get oh, one. I love that the way that song comes in. Yeah, yeah. I, I just fucking I can't get over those mats, bro. They they're still it's it's breaking my fucking mind, dude. At 1988, 30 fucking clean. years ago, guys, I cannot fucking believe it. 
This shit had to have been touched up, man. If it wasn't, I'm telling you, best special effects. How did this not win a fucking Oscar? Seriously. Action movies don't win Oscars. I got nominated for sound and some other things, but yeah. Action movies usually don't. This should have. Although, why was it nominated for fucking best sound? Like, I swear to God, the gun sound effects sound like they were the same gunshots from Lethal Weapon. All the pistols are the same. The machine gun sounds are the same. I do remember when I was a kid thinking the guns sound cool in this movie. Especially the hits. They sound ridiculously loud. (laughs) And the the hits look and sound ridiculously painful. Oh, yeah, dude. When that guy, he's like shredding that guy's legs. Fuck those the squibs are just going oh, off. Man. Oh, yeah, oh. dude, damn. All the squibs are great, dude. And it's oh. in slow motion, so like, make sure you can see it. Uh, oh, I love it when they're like d- doing the shooting the glass section, and John McClane shoots the one guy that's coming at him, and he hits the legs, and it's just those giant that's squibs what I'm going. About. Oh, that's when you're talking about. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the one where he was where on top of the, the table, shooting no, to the I'm table. No, talking about the one where he's running toward him. Oh, okay. Those are both uh, good. Yeah, good he blows his shots. fucking legs out. <laughs> Apparently that was an on-the-fly scene as well. Like, they didn't really know what they were going to do with that set. And they were just like, well, we should do this. And they kind of came up with that. Which one? The The glass scene. Shoot the glass. Yeah. And they talk about, which I I love in this movie, that they don't do uh, subtitles for any of the the German. And they just kind of let it go. Oh, yeah. And and you're able to still follow along. And that was a, a definite thing that they wanted to do. No subtitles. So basically anything that was in another language wasn't really, like, integral to the plot. It was just, you know, you'd still be able to figure out the scene. And apparently Carl can't speak German anyway. <laughs> Shoot the glass. <laughs> oh, got it. Damn, I love the way he says that. Shoot the glass. Shoot the glass. <laughs> Fucking Owen Rickman. All of his lines. Great stuff. All right, guys. We have the rating section here. I don't even think we have to rate this one. We already all know what we're going to rate this one. Let's just go ahead. We'll go around the room just for shits and giggles. All right. I'll go first. It's a two. What? <laughs> Your what? turn. Okay, Brian, a five. Damn. What? What? <laughs> I'm breaking your brain over this there. This is a fucking ten, Jeremy. This is a ten. Yes, you're right. I've probably seen this movie more than any other movie. Uh, whenever I, I signed up, you, do you remember when the Columbia House oh, like, yeah. thing that comes around that you, you like you tape a penny to the thing and, the, and they send you stuff? That's right. Five movies for a penny. Yeah, and then my mom would call and be like, a child filled this out. Like, please reta- return all these. Every time I did that, I got diehard. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how we got diehard on VHS. Yeah, I'm <laughs> telling you. That's right. It's exactly how we got I it. No idea what y'all are talking about. You don't remember Columbia House? Yeah, they used don't... to do like records, and then they started doing movies where you yeah. can like sign up for like a penny, and they'll send you like ten movies, and, and then like it's kind of like a um, like a club, you know. You, you promise to pay for so many movies or whatever, and you get so many movies a month. Yeah, you'd have to buy like uh, like five movies at regular price, and then that, that's when you you get the catalog in where they they hit you, you start with like stuff cheaper. regular price is twenty five dollars or thirty dollars yeah, 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 or forty dollars, and it's like. Wait, this for a fucking VHS? <laughs> I remember when Damn. I remember going up to Blockbuster one time wanting to buy a movie. And this was before like you could just go buy a bunch of them off the shelf. Oh my god. And it was a hundred bucks. Holy yeah. shit. Well yeah, you're buying a rental copy then. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dude, some I remember uh when uh, Terminator two came out, that rental copy was eight hundred dollars. Holy shit. Yeah. For fucking Blockbuster, that's how much they fucking paid for a copy of Terminator Two on v- VHS. On VHS. Granted, no wonder they get mad if you don't bring it back. Yeah, dude, that's why they charge you all those late fees. You're fucking holding up their business. Well, they're bringing back Columbia House for records. Oh, for vinyl? Yeah, for vinyl. Okay, 
I can makes see sense. that. Yeah, vinyl's kind of making a comeback. Yeah. Little, little niche market. All right, Benson. What say ye? 11? There you go. Damn, I agree. Damn, fucking broke the scale, man. Yeah, man. It's it's one mall. <laughs> the, the, we blew the roof off of this. Just like the Nakatomi building. It's one louder. <laughs> yep. It's one louder. Yeah, but this one. this one. Well, why not just make 10 louder? But this one goes to 11. <laughs> this movie goes to 11. Oh, wait. Do we even mention why... Uh, uh, John um, McTiernan ended up in, in jail? Did we actually say the we reason didn't why? We didn't really say why. Because oh. he's a crazy fucker. I thought we were being politically correct. Yeah, me not. too. <laughs> well, well, I mean, he ended up in jail because he was tapping the phone to the producer of... Uh, what was the producer? It was producer of uh, Rollerball. That's what it was. He was remaking that. And for some reason, he was tapping his phones. If you listen to the um, the commentary on this one, he gets a little weird. He gets a little like... He's got some paranoia. The, the e- editor, he got he got a thing against editors, and then he's and like, producers. you know, and, and producers. He he yeah. really kind of like kind of talks shits about both of them, and about how how some editors will go tell it will talk shit to producers about you behind your back, <laughs> behind your back. Yeah, yeah. It was a really weird audio <laughs> commentary listening it, to it, and also the audio commentary is really strange because they, his audio track is cut with the production designer's audio track, but they weren't recorded at the same time, so they edit two conversations together. Not relating to each other at all. It's kind of odd. You get like back and forth, back and forth, but on really? different subjects. And then they'll like they'll like go to the other guy. And then why didn't it, they just put both of them on there? I don't know. I guess they couldn't schedule both of them at the same time. No, I mean like record both commentaries and just put here's production designers commentary. It seems like they just creamed out. You know, they yeah. took the best parts of both and kind of edited them together. But you can tell the cuts and. It doesn't make like I said. One guy will be talking about one thing, and then it'll cut to the other guy, and he'll talk about something, and then it'll cut back to the other guy, and he's finishing up his state, like his thought of what he was just talking about. Oh yeah, they cut the production it's, designer off in mid. Yeah, they sometimes. do. <laughs> <laughs> You're less important. He told some really cool stuff though. Did you ever listen to the uh, Exorcist commentary track? No, but I'd love to. <laughs> A long time ago, I remember watching it when it first came out, and you could tell William Friedkin had no idea what he was doing on this. Like, he didn't talk about making the movie. He just explained what's happening on screen. I mean, I hate when directors do that shit. It's like, like, he, he, like, he didn't understand what the commentary track's for. Yeah. Like going, so here Reagan so is uh, scene, flailing on the bed. Um, Reagan is flailing, and she's now being possessed by the demon. Now, I remember watching it going, he has no idea why they're asking him to do Because he sounds completely uninterested. Yeah. I, now, this I is where it. she says, let Jesus fuck you. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, at Have least you, they do them. Spielberg won't do them. Yeah, that's true. Did you rate the movie? Yeah, we all rated it. Um, you gave it a two. He gave it a ten. Okay. Yeah, way to go with your two. That's, and I, I changed it to a five. Oh yeah, that's right. It's peer it's, pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I will peer pressure to Jared into changing his review. <laughs> Jared, wait up! You really think this is mediocre? Hold up now, son. Come on, let's think about this here now. Come on. I can be swayed. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you got to do. Uh, well, guys, this is going to be uh, our last episode for this year. We're going to be back um, next year. I don't know when. We'll figure that out. But, 2019. Uh, That's right, man. It sounds sci-fi, doesn't it? Um, yeah, and we're going to hopefully we're going to return back to uh, Back to Future Three. So we're going to go back and cover that at some point in the near future. And uh, I think next month we're doing um, what, what's coming out? Glass. Yeah, that's coming out. I want to work in First Blood. Ooh, okay. First Blood. What, Rambo? First Blood, not Rambo. 
What's first blood? The first Rambo. Oh no, I haven't seen it. I've I seen do. it, but I haven't like watched it yet. You're gonna enjoy Rambo's this. first blood, but not Rambo First Blood Part Two. Okay, the first, it's getting confusing. The first one is just <laughs> called First Blood, based on the novel called First Blood. Okay. The second one is Rambo First Blood Part Two. Okay. And then the third one is just Rambo Part Three. <laughs> we, yeah, we're gonna have a, a month of Stephen King next year, and then we're we're also gonna be taking uh, some listener requests. We got uh, Memento and Old Boy and some other stuff on the schedule. Caligula, <laughs> uncut. Oh, <laughs> Hanos, the man, hands of fate. <laughs> Damn, guys. Hit <laughs> the bottom of the barrel here. But you guys want to get in touch with us? You can send us an email to themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E, extra E at the end of the word crew at gmail.com. You guys can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Tuned In, Overcast, Stitcher, Google Podcast, And Facebook. And Facebook. That's right. Always forget about that Facebook. You guys can follow us. On the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Movie Crew Pod. Vincent, where can our audience follow you, sir? Kind of all those same places. <laughs> at where, bro? J. Edward Benson. And Jared, where can they follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Jared B. Callen, on Instagram at Check the Gate. If you live in Kenya, please drop us an email at themoviecrew at gmail.com. We'd love to Skype you. All right, guys, we're going to be closing out the show like we do every night with a little bit of the soundtrack. We're going to be playing track 18 titled Ode to Joy from composer Michael Kamen. Enjoy. Enjoy.